Hello, mamas. I am so excited to continue our conversation on pitching. And today's guest actually pitches at least 20 brands a week. You guys, 20 brands a week, but her conversion rate is 90%. So this conversation with Miranda Tamaska is one that you will not want to miss. And she just shares her secrets and her entire process from start to finish. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Please screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. I love to see those. I love resharing them. And if you'd like the podcast today, please subscribe, leave a review. I'm so happy you're here and I am so excited to dive into this conversation. You're listening to Motherhood Ignited, a podcast for mompreneurs, creatives, and influencers who are rocking the beautiful balance between working passionately and nurturing presently. I'm your host, Christy Keen, and every week I interview inspiring mom bosses, brands, and industry experts to bring you the knowledge, tools, and strategies to grow your influence and business through purposeful online content creation. So come in and cozy up, mamas, and get ready to ignite your goals. Today, I'm chatting with Miranda Tamaska, aka Miranda Southern on Instagram, who is a Nashville-based lifestyle blogger who shares a powerful message of motherhood and faith through her online mediums. There are a few reasons I am pumped to have Miranda on today. First, she's a NICU mama, and both of her kiddos are NICU grads, or two of her kiddos are NICU grads, and I was a NICU nurse for almost 10 years before I had my kids, so these mamas have a really special place in my heart. And second, if you listen to Stephanie Peltier's episode, then you know she had mentioned a friend who is a pitch queen. And so I was super nosy. I had to investigate who that was and get her on the Mommy Influencer podcast because I know so many of you have questions about pitching. I know it's come up a lot in the Facebook chat. So I am really excited to hear more about how Miranda's process is with that. So thank you so much for coming on today, Miranda. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Your accent is so cute. Oh, gosh. It doesn't matter where I go. I can't get rid of it. You know, I had the opposite problem. I grew up um, in Tennessee, but not in Nashville, my favorite city. I grew up outside of Memphis, uh-huh. which is way different. But And I had a big Southern accent. And when I went to college, it I don't know. It just went away. That's so funny. When I actually worked... Um, I, I went to night, night school for college and my day job, I tried to not have an accent because I always felt like no one would take me seriously when they heard my accent. I don't know why that was just how my brain worked, but I always tried to fix my Southern accent. No, I think, I, I think that's probably what I did and I overshot it. And now I, like every time I hear a Southern accent, I just think it's so charming and adorable. And I wish that I had one still, but you are so cute. So why don't you, um, first of all, tell the listeners a bit more about who you are and what you do and how you got started in this space. Sure. Okay. So I am first and foremost, a stay at home mom. Um, my husband and I have been married for 15 years. We have a 13 year old son a 12-year-old daughter, and the two of them are actually Irish twins. And then we had this huge surprise 10 years later, and that is our little boy, Hollis. Um, And he is now almost four. But um, as you mentioned, my daughter, Elle, and then Hollis were both born premature at 28 weeks and spent some time in the NICU. So preemies are definitely close to my heart, as well as NICU families. I just, obviously, they hold a very, very close place in my heart. But 
Um, so right now, honestly, living in Nashville, Tennessee, my husband is in the music business, so he travels quite often, and we are just trying to to stay afloat right now with two middle schoolers and a toddler and uh, solo parenting occasionally, you know, just trying to keep our heads above water and um, make as many memories as possible along the way. But I got involved in social media working as an influencer um, two years ago. I've always been a creative person ever since I was a young child. Um, I paint and I draw and I sing and I actually went to school to be an actress and um, I was able to do that to do that for 10 years. And then we moved here to Nashville and we knew absolutely no one. We had no family here and my husband was starting a new business. And so I kind of let go of everything additional in my life and just turned inward and focused on our family and getting settled in a new city. And I realized like five years passed and I had done nothing for myself, nothing creative for myself. And um, of course I was on social media and I was seeing all these amazing women who were creating uh, a brand for themselves, um, whether it be in, you know, fashion, lifestyle, food, fitness, whatever it was. And I just looked up to them and I thought they were so brave to do what they did. And I just decided one day I, I, that was going to be me and I was going to try it. I'm an all in kind of person. And so I switched um, my private Instagram account over to uh, Miranda Southern. And I just became a little bit more intentional about my photography and what I was posting. And it actually grew a lot faster than I ever anticipated. And and here I am two years later, just still working and still, you know, trying to make this the most that it can be. And you're doing an awesome job at that. Obviously, you have over 30,000. You have close to 32,000 followers now. And so what do you think drew... Like, what do you think, first of all, getting those first 10,000 followers looked like for you? Like, did you have a strategy there? And what do you think people are most drawn to when they come to your page? So I was extremely intentional about growth when I first got started. In my mind, and looking back, I might have a little bit of a different opinion now, but in my mind at the beginning, I saw followers as a way to earn money. I've always been someone who likes to contribute to our family financially, even though I am a stay-at-home mom. And so I did see this as as a way to earn money. And so in my mind, I said, well, I need to gain followers in order to, to get sponsored posts. And so I read every blog and listened to every webinar and podcast out there about growth and Instagram. And if it was recommended, I tried it. So literally, I have tried everything out there for growth. Even some of the things that no one that is frowned upon nowadays. But I think when you're first starting out, you, you really don't know any better. And so you just try it all. Um, and there's a lot of advice out there that there you don't so- know, you don't know when you're starting out, if, whether you're getting good advice or bad advice. And there's a, a lot out there that will tell you methods that looking okay. back, you might be like, Oh, I didn't know that. But you know, you don't ignorance right. is, you know, bliss in the sure. beginning. You don't know, but I think what really helped me was I created friendships early on with about 10 women who, and some of them were much larger than I was, and some of them were around the same as as I was, and we just kind of supported each other along the way, and that was two years ago, 
two years ago was back in the day when, you know, Follow Friday was a big thing and we were constantly sharing each other or, you know, Mom Candy Monday or things like that. And I really feel like it was the other bloggers within my same niche that were really pushing me towards um, growth. And I, I, yeah, I mean, that's really all I can attribute it to. I mean, I could say other things like giveaways and things like that, but organically, I really feel like it was really just locking arms with other people who were trying to do the exact same thing as I was doing. And one of the biggest things I find when people come to my page is I am so, um, I don't know, like I don't care about wearing makeup all the time and I present myself as I am. I talk a lot about faith and I talk about it very openly. I talk about how I struggled with, um, you know, with, with my faith when my children were in the NICU. I've talked about um, how, you know, all Christians don't always have this, you know, great outlook on life all the time. And I think people just really resonate with that. I think they just see you know, a normal human being who is, who, who is just choosing to show her life online. I love that. And I think that people get so caught up with showing up perfectly in this space that they forget that people just want you to show up and just be you and, and get to know the real side of you. So you do a really great job at doing that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so I was really excited when Stephanie, um, who, for those of you who are listening, Stephanie Peltier was on a podcast that I recommend you guys to go and check out where she talks about shady versus authentic growth hacks. And we got into the conversation of brand work. And like you said, you you were very intentional with your reason why you wanted to get more involved with Instagram and grow your following to, you know, work with brands and make money and Stephanie had mentioned how you are just a boss at pitching. I just, I want to dive all into that. I want to know, start to finish, like how you learn to pitch, like how many brands you pitch, what, what that, like maybe walk us through even a, a fake pitch in a little bit as well. Like I just, I'm so intrigued and I know so many listeners are, have been waiting for this podcast with you. Oh, well, that is so awesome. Well, first of all, Stephanie is just a doll. And she was one of my very, she's one of the women who I locked arms with very early on. And I am just, I'm pleased to call her a colleague in this space, but even more a friend. I may never get to meet her, but golly, she is just one in a million. So, um, and she's so sweet to say that. But so as I mentioned, I was very intentional about working with brands and earning an income for my family. And, um, I would say it was probably around maybe nine, nine months to a year where I started working on sponsored posts and that early on, it was minimal money, but, um, I just couldn't wrap my head around how any brand out there would find me in this large sea of mommy influencers. And I just couldn't figure that out. Like, how, how could they find me? And once they find, found me, why would they want me? Like, those were the things that were going through my head. And around that time, I found Influencer Networks, um, uh, which you have, you had a podcast on that, right? Yeah. Um, where you kind of introduced a, several different networks to people. 
And so for, for anyone listening, that is basically influencer networks are like the middleman between the brand and the influencer. And so um, there was a lot of pros to working with them. Number one, I mean, you had, you knew exactly what brand was looking to book a campaign and you knew what product they were wanting to book it for or a specific campaign. You knew all of that stuff. And you had direct connection with them, so you didn't have to search, you know, for days for to find contact information. But the cons to that for me was I felt extremely limited creatively. I felt limited with my authenticity. And I felt like I was being undercut a lot with what they were asking me for deliverables-wise based on what they were willing to pay. And I knew that the network was getting a cut. I mean, obviously they should get a finder's fee, but they were taking a percentage of whatever the brand was wanting to pay. And so in my mind, I thought, how do I just get connected directly to the brand and bypass this network? And so that was kind of my, those were kind of like my initial thoughts. That's kind of a little peek into how my brain works. And um, so I started researching and I went to Pinterest and of course there's, um, a bunch of different articles there about pitching and I found some pitching courses. So I knew that pitching was a thing if people were writing blogs about it and women were creating courses, teaching other people how to pitch. I knew that it was a thing. And so I read once again and listened to anything I could find out there that was free information And I just soaked it all in. And one day I was just like, well, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go for it. And I mean, the least they could say is, or not answer or say no or pass or, you know, I had attitude with it. And uh, from that day on, it has just been something, obviously I, once I booked my first campaign after pitching, it gave me a little bit more, you know, oomph to do it more and more and more. But um but I, it's my main source of getting content. I do still get emails from people asking to work with me. And I have a couple of networks that I do work with, um, just basically because I've built relationship, relationships with them over time. Um, but my main source of sponsor content comes from pitching. That is amazing. And I think so many people are scared uh, to pitch. Yeah. So like, did, was that mindset of the worst they can say no? Did that always make you feel confident right away or were you scared in the beginning or so I guess in my mind I never saw it as something about I never was fearful about them saying no because the companies and the brands that I'm pitching um I know that they either have worked with influencers before large enough influencers to where I know they have a budget and they're well-known brands that run ads Frequently, whether it be, you know, television commercials, radio commercials, or I've seen other ads pop up for them online. So I know they have a marketing budget. I'm not pitching mom and pop brands. I'm not pitching Etsy, you know, Etsy companies or, or things like that. I'm not looking to get money from somebody who might not have a marketing budget. Um, so it never worried. It never really bothered me if someone would say no, um, because I just figured that and honestly, I don't get no a lot. More than anything, I just get no response. Usually if I can get somebody to send an email back, 
I can begin the conversation that will either lead to a, well, contact us in six months or let's start talking about a campaign. Okay. So then let's get into the tactical side of this because I know people are like, sure, super motivated right now, especially after hearing the amount of yeses you get. What is your conversion rate? I think you you have a pretty high conversion rate, don't you, with I your do. pitches? I do. So um, I can usually convert at least 90% of the responses that I get back. I would say wow. out of 20 emails, I will probably get 10 back. And from those 10, I can convert into some sort of campaign. Okay, guys, you want to listen in closely for this episode <laughs> then, because this is amazing. I, like I myself, just cannot wait to hear the answers to these questions. So first of all, do you pitch brands just on Instagram or just on email? And how do you find the contact emails or the PR point of contacts for these big companies? Because I know a lot of people struggle with that. So I always do my main pitch through email. Um, If I am struggling to find an email address, like I have Googled, I've Googled the company name, um, Basically, how I find the contact information is I Google the company name and see if there is any sort of media contact or press contact on their main site. If there's not, I then look for press releases that the company has put out. So let's just say we're talking about Home Depot, for example. I would Google Home Depot press contact. And normally there is some sort of press contact or press release that has been issued And normally those do have contact information on them. Now, a lot of the larger companies do outsource theirs to, you know, marketing companies. So sometimes you are working with PR agencies, um, not necessarily the company uh, directly. But um, if I absolutely cannot find that information anywhere online, I will. And they have an online presence. That's probably something I should say also. before I ever pitch a company, I make sure they have a social media presence. Because if you pitch a company that doesn't, they're just going to come back with a question mark. Like, what are you talking about? Influencer marketing? You want to do what? You want me to send you product for you to do what? Like, So you need to make sure that they have an Instagram presence and that they've worked with influencers in some capacity in the past. Um But then I will message them on Instagram if I can't find a direct contact. And I will say, hey, can I get the email address um, of someone in your social media department or that handles your press releases? And um, normally I sometimes I get um, emails back with a direct contact information. And then other times they're just like, hey, you can talk to me right here. And so I'll continue the conversation on DMs. That's so so helpful because I know finding the PR contact is part of the biggest hurdle. And the press release um, information for me, that was something I had never thought about like a year into pitching. And I think I heard somebody on another podcast mention Googling press releases. And that just opens up so many amazing contacts. It really, really does. And I'll tell you another little hint. And I don't think I've ever told anyone this before, but there is an amazing website out there called hunter.io and you can go in there and put any company in there. So once again, homedepot.com, they have like a search bar and they will pull up all of the email addresses that they can find with that are based on Home Depot. So 
if you kind of have an idea of the name of the person you're looking for, or if you're looking, is it, you know, press at homedepot.com? Is it media at homedepot.com? If it's ever been used online by that specific company, it will pull a list up for you. Okay, that is hugely valuable advice. I've never heard of that before, so I have jotted that down, and I am just, you guys, this is a valuable episode, and anybody who tunes in today is just getting so much information. Wow, thank you for sharing that, hunter.io. And so what is what is the, are the important things that you include in the initial pitch email? So I always introduce myself, first of all, if you happen to get a direct email address, like if I know your name is Christy, I always address it, hello, Christy, or hi there, Christy, I address it in my normal speaking voice. Um, My very first paragraph is just an introduction of who I am and what my media looks like. So I'm a family lifestyle um, creator, and I kind of just give them a really quick view of what they can expect if they were to go and look at my Instagram page. Um, After that, I include links to my Instagram as well as my blog. So I always include the links at the very top. So all they have to do, even if they don't read, all they have to do is just click really quickly and they can see what 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 my brand looks like. Um, After that, um, it kind of depends on the company. If I am pitching a company that I Um, Maybe I've purchased a product and I really like it and I want to work with the brand. I'll let them know. I'll give a personal story of this worked so well for me and I would just love to work with y'all in some capacity. Um, I sometimes if I give them a shout out on my stories, I'll let them know and I'll say, I, you know, I let my followers know about this amazing product on this date and there was a huge response or the engagement was great. And, you know, I kind of just, Uh, rave about what I like about a specific brand or the company. If it's something that I have never used before, but I have an interest in partnering with them, I'll kind of, I'll let them know that as well. I'm very authentic in my emails, not to the point of, um, I don't, not to the point of sucking up, but to the point of just letting them know, like, I'm just interested in working with you. This is what I do for business. And I would love to partner with you. And then in my last um, paragraph, and mind you, these are extremely short. I never want anyone to have to spend, you know, more than just a few, maybe a minute of just reading over this email. But I always kind of give them an idea of what I'm thinking. So um, I recently pitched a candle brand that I knew um, they had a new summer scent coming out. And I had just some ideas floating around in my head of photos that might look or that might work for them, and they might be interested in using it, using in a marketing campaign. And so I kind of pitch just a few loose ideas to them. And I always end with a question, can we discuss this further? Or is this something we can talk about more? Um, and then I just sign off with, you know, my signature. Um, I always include my phone number in there just in case they'd like to set, schedule a phone call or call me. Um, but the first information, the first initial email, I do not mention money. I do not even say the word sponsored in there. And I do not include a media kit. Interesting. That was actually my next question is if you included media kit and rates. <laughs> so do you have like a big philosophy on that? Or do you have you noticed 
if you had tried that in the past, if there was I less of a response? I just feel across the board that if you are locking your, as an influencer, if you're locking yourself into a specific number, then you are missing out on the possibility of so much more. And so I it's never so want to put something out that says, hey, I'll do this for $500 and then them come back with a slew of deliverables. But yet I've already said $500. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I want to keep the money portion open. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, I've had companies reach out where I haven't given them a budget right away. And when they make the offer, offer I'm like, Oh crap! Like that was triple probably what I would have offered. You know what I would have told you in my media kit rate. Exactly. So it's always good to be open yeah. to that. And you never know what the company's budget is, and so you don't want to undercut yourself. You know, you want to be a smart businesswoman, and so I always hold back on on that uh, that piece of information there. I'm really great advice you gave to two things like keeping it short and sweet is so important because I'm the same way. Like I just don't have time to read through a bunch of emails either, but making it easy for them and just giving them ideas right away. So they just, you have to make it hard for them to say no to you. Exactly. I actually attended a, um, a press event um, a couple of months ago with a handful of other influencers. And there was a panel there of, um, media contacts from different brands and they discussed receiving emails from influencers. And that was one of the biggest things they said is that they receive so many on a regular basis that number one, they don't have the time to read through everything. They don't have the time to click on a attachment that's going to have to open up in another screen. Um, and they really don't have the time to think up a campaign for the influencer. So if you're just saying, hey, I'd love to work with you in some capacity. Can we discuss this? You know, here they are being left with, okay, well, how can I work with her? You know, I don't have a campaign right now. But if you're laying it at their feet and you're saying, I know about this new, you know, fragrance that you're releasing, I would love to work with you. And this is a few of the ideas that I have of shooting this. Um, What do you think? You know, you've already put it in their mind of like, yeah, you know what? That would be a great idea. Yes, 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 yes. I think that especially influencers who are used to brands coming to them Mm -hmm. and when a brand comes to you, you're used to it being laid out for you, right? And they have an idea of what the campaign is and how they want to work with you and you it the balls in your court to say yes or no. So you're just kind of recreating that and putting, you just want to make it easy on them. And it's just a switch in the mindset from somebody, a brand seeking you out and you seeking brands out. Yes. And one of the ways that I started, one of the ways that I figured out I wanted to uh, word my emails was based on working with um, these influencer networks, because most of them, after you say that you want to apply to a campaign, a form will pop up and they will ask you, you know, 10 questions. And so I just kind of built my email based on what they were wanting to know. And most of the time it is like, what creative idea can you bring to the table? Um, so that was, you know, something that I knew these brands were interested in hearing. And I never give them too much. You never want to think that a brand is going to run away with your idea and go to someone else. Um, but just enough to where they're like, hey, you know, that sounds creative. And then if they can click click on your page 
and they can see the work that you've produced before. I mean, that right there speaks volumes for itself. So um, definitely put in the hard work on all your campaigns and all your posts that you that you're doing because it's your resume really for working with more brands. So true. So after you have pitched these brands and they are intrigued, they want to learn more and continue the conversation of working with you and they respond, how do you continue the conversation with money and to kind of ease your way into that sponsored content part since you don't include it in the first email? Yeah. So a lot of brands initially will just come back and they'll say, oh, absolutely. We would love to work with you and send you X, Y, and Z product. Where can we send it to? You know, and, and they leave, they also leave the money aspect of it open-ended as well. So it is 100%, I would say it's 100% left on the influencer to, to open up the conversation about money. Um, I always respond with, oh, you know, you know, an authentic response of how wonderful it would be to work with them and how you're so grateful um, that they have an interest in you as well. And then my key line is, what is your budget for a campaign like this? And I leave it at that. Um, if they have mentioned specific deliverables in their response. So let's say they're like, we would love to send you X, Y, and Z product for one Instagram post and two stories. Um, where can I send the product to? My response would be, you mentioned one Instagram post and two stories. I have a rate that uh, I have a rate that I would be willing to share with you, but do you have a campaign or excuse me, do you have a budget for this campaign? And I always like them to drop the first dollar amount. I don't like to be the one to drop the first dollar amount. And how often are you, if they come back to you and they don't have a budget, are you still, do you work with any of these brands on an unpaid basis or is it kind of a, at the point now where you're protecting your time and your creative energy only for campaigns with a budget? Or how do you respond to that when they don't have a budget? So most of the brands that I pitch, if they tell me that they do not have a budget, um, most of the time I won't work with them. I absolutely love working with small businesses and I am more than willing to, um, to trade my time to help someone else build their social media profile um, or an Etsy shop or, you know, anything that they have created that they're trying to get their name out there. I love doing that. And that is what I really save my, my trade collaborations for. Um, Sometimes the company will say, well, can we still send you the product and you just do an unboxing? And some, it really depends on the product at that point. If it's something I can buy on my own, then you know, no, I probably won't do it. But sometimes they want to send you a lot of different things and, you know, maybe a lot of different cleaning products that does total up to a good amount. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I can do an unboxing and just show what they have sent me um, in order to trade this. So it just really depends on the product itself, how much time that it's going to, that it's going to go into um, showing the product on my stories. But I, I'd hate to say never, but I rarely ever show a trade collaboration with a big company in an actual Instagram post. They just take so much time, as you know, mm-hmm. to create 
and to edit and then to write the content and then to engage. Like it's just waste way too much time. How, how many brands are you pitching a month and how many sponsored posts are you doing a month or sponsored stories? So I send out 20 emails a week, but wow. of, of those 20 emails, I would say usually 10 of them are follow-ups. So in pitching, probably the biggest thing to know is this is not a quick process. This is not something that you say, I'm going to send this email out on Monday. And then on Friday, I'm going to have a collab booked and a nice bow, you know, tied on it. And I mean, that rarely, rarely happens. A fortune is in the follow-up when it comes to pitching. And I am not afraid to send follow-up emails a week, two weeks, three weeks. Um, I have heard so many times from brands, and then I also know this for myself, that they receive so many emails that it just gets lost. It just gets buried down and they either forget to respond or they have never even seen it in the first place. And so um, follow-up is key. So I would say I probably, for new brand new brands, I would say I probably pitch about 40 new brands a month. And then uh, 40 of the other brands that I'm pitching are just follow-ups. With pitching that many brands and having that much sponsored content, I know just for myself and some other um, influencers and entrepreneurs that I talk to in this space, for some reason, sponsored content is a really hard spot on our posts. Like it's hard to get higher engagement on there. And I'm curious how your audience responds to all the sponsored content. Well, I actually try not to book any more than two sponsored posts a week. So even though I am pitching so many brands, as I said, the majority of them, it might take me a month to close a deal. And then they might not need that content for another three weeks. Um, So my goal is to never book any more than two sponsored posts per week. And obviously, there have come times where somebody wants something done very quickly. And so I will sneak it in. Um, But but I, I try not to make it look like a full ad. I once heard this really, really great piece of advice from... I can't even remember who it was, but they said, if you view your Instagram page like a magazine, that's kind of how you want it to look. So when you're turning the pages of a magazine, you'll see an article and you might see, you know, some brand recommendations, and then you might see an ad for a perfume and then a few more pages of articles and maybe a cool shot of something and then another ad. And so that's kind of how I always think of my Instagram page once I heard that. I haven't heard that analogy before and I really like that. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So then after you land the sponsored post, do you have a lot of these days? Are you noticing that brands have a budget more for one off post or are you seeing them kind of reach out for more um, long-term collaborations or work? So the majority of the, the sponsored content that I book is one a one and done post as I, as I call it, but I always, always pitch for long-term collaborations because I feel that it just resonates so much more to my community 
and the way that I pitch it to the company is I'm like, you know, only maybe two to 5% of my audience will see a post of mine. And so the rest of them, they might never see this quote unquote ad that you're wanting me to run. But if I'm running one every two weeks for you, the chances of other people seeing it are greater. Plus it gets put back in front of their eyes again. It shows that I'm an authentic user of the product. So I always try to, to pitch for long-term. I've only successfully booked one long-term collab. Um, but I would, I would much rather as an influencer, that is, that's what I would much rather book. Oh yeah. I, that's where I'm at right now. I, I have a manager who I work with, but I'm always telling her that's my goal. I have like certain dream brands and I'm like, I would love to just work with these brands on a long-term basis over and over and over again, because they're just who I love so much. So I think that's awesome advice. Number one, everything you've given from, because that's pretty much start to finish great pitching advice. And have you thought about like, I know you said that you went to Pinterest whenever you first were trying to learn how to pitch and looked up pitch courses. Have you thought about doing your own pitch course? I have. I have thought about doing more of like an ebook than necessarily a course. Oh, yeah, um, that's a good idea. So, yeah, because if I'm being perfectly honest, every and this this isn't to this is not to make anyone out there. Um, this is not to put anyone out there down at all, but I have, uh, read so many articles and listened to so many webinars and it's pretty much the same information that they're giving. And the information that they're giving is they're wanting you to buy the course because then they'll give you the bread or the meat and the potatoes of, of what pitching entails. And it is a little bit frustrating when you're trying to dig and find out, um, you know, how to grow your brand through pitching. Um, and I just, I just feel like, um, as long as everyone knows that it is hard work, this isn't something that is just, it just doesn't roll, you know, overnight. One email is not going to turn into a million dollars. As long as they know, you know, it takes showing up every day. It takes sending emails sometimes every day. Um, and I've been pitching for a year now, so, Um, It just takes time. I'm happy to share as much information as I can. Yeah, I feel like you need to have like right in your Instagram bio that you are just a pitch queen or something there. And I and I really think you need to get on that ebook because you are just you can tell that it's not just like you're knowledgeable about it. But I feel like you are a rare breed who actually enjoys pitching. (laughs) Like it's like this weird thrill, isn't it? I do. I do enjoy pitching and I really enjoy getting the emails back, even if they're um, not right nows or I just feel like that direct contact is, oh my goodness, it's just when you can make a direct contact with a brand and have a conversation with someone, I save every single email contact that I have in the spreadsheet because you never know when it's going to be time. Yeah, yeah so, really smart. Um, yeah. Yeah, the door is like, even if it's not like fully open, when you get the response back, like just having that door cracked open that little bit, like, I know the feeling is just like, okay, like maybe it's not right now. But now I know this is I did get the right person. And you will be hearing from me again. It really is. And one other thing that I'll say is, 
every single month I set a budget for how much uh, money I want to earn that month. And um, as I mentioned very early on, it's important to me to contribute to the financial aspect of our family. And that honest to goodness is what I'm doing. So every post that I um, create for my feed, every sponsored content that I book, you know, I see it as an income for my family. And so that is another thing that really continues to push me on. I mean, we live in a world where Instagram can be a career, which is still crazy to even say. And so I just think if we're not taking advantage of that, especially if we do also have the desire to stay at home with our children, um, gosh, you know, it's just so amazing that this is even an opportunity now, you know? It is. I I say it all the time. And, and it's funny to me, we were talking off of the podcast about how polarizing the word influencer is. And I just, I couldn't be more grateful to be in the position or if somebody calls me an influencer, I'm like, oh, like, wow, this is a crazy time where you make money by creating purposeful content and sharing things that you love with people that you align with and that you are connected with. I don't know. I think it's amazing. Like it does not get old to me. It's an, it's such an amazing opportunity. And I feel blessed every day that I have every single one of my followers that just chooses to show up and watch sometimes just our life. And then sometimes, you know, other things, but they just, um, I'm just so grateful for them. I mean, they are what makes this work. So I'm so thankful. For pitching, just real quick, I wanted to ask if you notice brands are including blog posts with Instagram posts less and less, or if that's still, if people should be putting more into their blog than they're probably currently doing. So I personally notice it less and less. Um, That could be because I have really shifted my focus more to Instagram than than my blog, Um, but I rarely get asked to write a sponsored blog post. Um, And my only, the only thing that I can really figure out why is, and I really, and this is just me trying to figure it out because I don't know really why, but I know that for a blog, it has to be a certain number of characters in order for it to work well with SEO. And I don't think people have time to read all of that, or do they have the desire to read how many ever letters that is? It's true. So I think a lot of times, and now with how that you can link your Instagram directly to Pinterest, so your Instagram post can show up on your Pinterest page and searchable. And I mean, you have so many characters on an Instagram post as well. So I just feel like, you know, I just feel like the faster that they can get the media, more people are going to, and and a lot, I will say a lot of the contracts that I'm signing lately are zero, you know, they will not allow any archiving or deleting at all. You know, before sometimes they would say, well, you can archive after a year, but most of the contracts that I'm signing now, they have it in there that it has to stay uh, live forever. It's so interesting because that wasn't even a thing a couple of years ago and now it's included in contract wording. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And my last question, because I know you have just poured almost an hour of insight for pitching into the listeners and they are going to be so grateful. My last question about pitching before we do the rapid fire questions is just where, 
can listeners find like what their rates would be when the money conversation gets started? How do people know if they're getting a fair offer or what a good counter offer would be as far as finding rates? So, so kind of how I started my, how kind of how I figured that out for myself was I went off of what a, a what a um, influencer network was willing to pay me for a specific Instagram. If it was an Instagram post, let's just say they were willing to pay me four hundred dollars for an Instagram post and two stories. Well, I knew that they were getting a cut of that as well, and I assumed they were getting at least, you know, fifty percent, if not more. And so I would just double that. Um, so I would double whatever an influencer network was willing to pay me. Um, another really good way to figure it out is take some time and time yourself and figure out how long it takes you to come up with an idea. Well, pitch the company, number one, land all of the information with or land the campaign, come up with the idea, shoot the content. Do you have to pay a photographer? Or will you do it yourself? editing, writing the content, posting and engaging. All of those things are work for an Instagram post. So figure out how long it takes you to do all that and how much money are you willing to, are you wanting to make an hour based on one Instagram post? Is it, you know, do you want to make $50 an hour? Is it $75 an hour? What is your time worth to you? Um, So that's another way you could figure it out. Some people go directly off of their Instagram followers and they'll say, Okay, so I have 10,000 followers, so I'll charge $100. I have 20,000 followers, so I'll charge $200. Um, Personally, to me, I don't like to do that because I feel like you're just basing your value on your followers. And that's really not what we are as influencers. I mean, especially if we are creating this content that could be used um, on another brand's uh, social media or could possibly even be purchased you know, someone purchased the full rights for your product. So, or for your photo. So I always like to think beyond just one post. Um, And once again, going back to saying you are creating a resume for yourself. So never undercut uh, working hard for something because you never know what one post might lead to two months down the road from another brand. I love that. It's so true. And the other thing, like you mentioned, you, contracts are huge to read and you don't know if they're buying the rights to your pictures. I I remember being naive in the beginning and being like, oh my gosh, this person's willing to pay me, you know, $200 for like this blog post and these five pictures or whatever. And then I'm seeing like potentially my child's face on an ad campaign somewhere else completely. And I'm like, oh crap. Like, yeah, and you know, it's just things you don't think about when when you yeah. are pitching and, and when they're, when you're starting out, when they're requesting deliverables. Oh, exactly. I always tell everyone that I do not budge on rights to photos like that is if they can't take it out of the contract that I'm not willing to sign it. Cause I just feel like it's, you just, you never, especially when your children are involved. Yes. I've heard horror stories of people seeing their kids faces on commercials even. And You've done all of this work. So my dad, this is another little bit of insider information. My dad is in the marketing business for a very large company um, in Atlanta. And he told me, Miranda, these companies have marketing budgets into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
And for them to book one marketing campaign, they have to hire photographers and videographers and rent space and hire models and, you know, hair and makeup and props and all of this kind of stuff that, you know, cost them thousands and thousands of dollars. And we as influencers are basically rolling that all into one. And so we cannot undercut ourselves, especially when we're dealing with these companies who are used to paying a lot of money. Um, so I just always reiterate to people, produce the most professional content that you can because you never know what it is going to be worth months down the road when you pitch a brand and you can say, but look at the content that I have produced and it can measure to what they might actually be paying you know, thousands of dollars for. So um, mm -hmm. you never, ever want to just consider yourself a $200 poster, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're so smart. And I love that you, earlier you just said, you know, talking about being a smart businesswoman. And I'm just like, I love it. Like you are a businesswoman and, you know, you. everyone listening, like this is, you're obviously listening because you're hoping to create a business out of what you're doing or grow your influence into a business or grow your business in general and just being professional and thinking of yourself that way when you're creating the content and yeah, it's, you're worth yeah. it. You're so worth it. Absolutely. You are worth it. If you're willing to put the time and the effort into it, you are worth it. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my goodness. Like this episode has probably been one of my favorites so far because oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Yeah, I can see why you and Stephanie um get along <laughs> so well because you're both so I just love women that are willing to pour their knowledge and insight into other women who don't hold back because you know, some people either a are trying to make money off of you like we talked about earlier cuz some of these pitch I've looked into oh, some of these um pitch courses and they are expensive. <laughs> They're healthy. Oh yeah. I've looked into them as well. And, um, I actually, when I first started out, I, I didn't, I didn't purchase a pitch course, but I did purchase a, I think it was a blogging course. And I spent a lot of money on it with the hopes that I was going to gain this knowledge. I don't, I don't even know what I thought I was going to gain, but something. And I can remember all of the information in the course was basically the exact same that I'd heard in the free webinar maybe expounded on just a little bit, but it definitely wasn't worth the amount. And so um, it kind of put a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. I love eBooks. Like I have no problem buying, you know, a 20 or $30 eBook. Um, and I actually have, I, I listened to um, your episode with Ashley Patron and I actually have her and Jennifer's eBook. Um, and theirs is worth every single dime. I mean, they're, the information that they put in there is so good. But I feel like when you're spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on something. Or thousands um, of dollars yeah. in some cases. <laughs> yes, your expectation is that you're going to leave with a lot of really great information that you can immediately put into action. And I, I just haven't found that. So. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. And I definitely understand investing in yourself and investing in professional development. But I also think it's really important to just invest in actual relationships and connections with people who you're genuinely interested in, who can mentor you or who are happy to hop on a podcast and share that insight with many people instead of keeping it to themselves because they're like you said we're all worth it there's room for everyone and yes. i just appreciate the heck out of you for everything oh that you God. just 
went over well, on the podcast. We all know that moms give the best advice when it comes to parenting our kids. We can tell you, I can share with you, you can say, Miranda, how did you get him to sleep through the night? And I can give you actionable items that you can immediately turn around and do. And that's kind of how I feel it is with influencing as well. If I can connect with a five or six or seven women who are in the exact same space as I am and we can pour into each other or I can connect with you and pour into your community, that advice right there is you know somebody's already doing it. You know somebody is um, is creating you know, an income from it. So why wouldn't I take their advice, you know? Yes, yes, yes. I've just, <laughs> I, I hope that more people have that mindset sooner. Yes, yes. I um, and I definitely, like I said, want you to do this ebook. I have some like other, like all this stuff is going through my head where I'm like, oh, I want her to do this and I want her to do this. And I'll have to tell you off the podcast so that nobody can take these ideas from you. I need that little push because sometimes I doubt myself in areas like that. Not that I'm afraid, but I just doubt myself. Girlfriend, so. don't. Especially, like I said, I think the feedback from this episode is going to be so amazing. You're just going to feel a huge, bigger calling to keep, to keep doing that. I'm going to add that to my prayer list now for sure. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so it's getting late here. We're actually, for everyone listening, it's like 9 p.m. in Virginia right now, 8 p.m. in Nashville. And we have been chatting for an hour because Miranda is just so kind to give you all the inside scoop. But I do love to ask my rapid fire questions to everybody who comes on the podcast. So just the first answers that come to your mind with these, my, the first question is my most favorite, which is what do you influence that you're most proud of? Oh, 100% my faith. Whenever I uh, share my morning devotion or my Bible verses and connecting with people who are asking for prayer or who might be going through similar situations, um, by far, I feel like if I touch no one else than just the people that are looking for a little bit more connection with Christ, then, then my work here is done. Yes, that is. And, and that is the first thing that I, I feel like your profile and your stories, everything you do that comes off, like that's the first thing I notice about you is your heart and your faith. So you're doing a great job at that. Thank you so much. How much time do you spend on social media and what's your biggest time management tip for moms? So on the Instagram app itself, I would say probably about two hours a day. Um, I try to limit myself to two hours. Um, working in general, though, like off of social media, easily six hours a day. Um, my biggest time management tip, and I actually did write a blog on this, is to try to break up your tasks into different things every day. So normally I, from that blog, it's changed a little bit because when I wrote that, my husband was not traveling and now he travels four days a week. So that's changed a little bit. But for example, on Mondays, I try to do all of my pitching. So I will send out all of my emails on Monday and I don't do anything else. And then on Tuesday, I do full content creation for the week. And then um, on Wednesdays, I'll do all my photo shoots for everything that I've just thought that I wanted to create. On Thursdays, I'll do things like listen to podcasts or just kind of pour into my business and pour into myself, um, business development, things like that. Um, then on Fridays, if I am writing a blog or if I have the desire to, because right now I'm struggling with that desire, um, you know, I might just do blog days on Friday. But if you can break things up, tasks up into every single day, instead of trying to get everything accomplished in one day, things become a lot easier. And what is, is there, I should say, a mistake that you've made in this space that you would go back and change? 
I don't know necessarily if I would change it or not. I really do feel like I've made so many mistakes, but I've, I also feel like from those mistakes, I learned so much. But I would say early on when I thought that I was going to become a mommy influencer, I did a lot of research. I've mentioned that several times. I'm a researcher. And so I would look over different mommy influencer accounts and kind of make a mental list of what they were doing. And then I thought like I needed to have a letter board and I needed, you know, to, you know, to have a picture with my son and a new outfit every week and all this kind of stuff. And I thought that if I wasn't keeping up with them, then I was just falling behind. And I realized very early on that half of those things weren't even me, who I was. And really just, you just, having the title mommy influencer doesn't mean that you have to look a certain way or, or your feed has to be a certain thing, or you don't even have to talk about certain things that you don't want to talk about. Um, just be yourself. Really people, people come for you. That's what they come for. Amen. That's, I would say probably the, the same thing yeah. is that you just, you get so wrapped up in it. It's hard even being, I feel like I'm kind of a veteran in the influencer space just over the last 10 years and I still get caught up in it sometimes so it's hard to not I mean it's very hard to not I mean it's probably the hardest thing really is yeah. to not compare and really I think you're not necessarily comparing I don't belittle myself or think that I'm less if I look at someone else but there is that aspect of well I can do that too should I do that too that kind of question you know yes Exactly. I've learned that just because someone else is doing it and it's getting a lot of likes and a lot of views, if it's not authentic to yourself, you're going to end up hating it and you're not going to want to do it. So very true. Very true. <laughs> I've been there in that rut. So, yes. I mean, multiple times. So it's not like one of those things you learn once and get over. You might. Right. <laughs> it's ugh, it's it's an interesting world out there. <laughs> What's your biz- biggest advice for someone starting from zero? I would say definitely find a group of women who are similar um, account sizes to you, maybe even a little bit larger, um, similar niche um, as you, you'll you grow together. And I mean, I cannot even, I mean, I'm sure you have one too, but my tribe of women online and these women I have never met, we all live in different cities, have sometimes been like holding my arms up through all of this or keeping me going. Um, it's in, it's invaluable. It really is. I don't know, just to know that you're not alone, no matter what stage you're in, in your growth or in your journey through the space, yeah. it just, you're right. It think- makes the biggest difference. Yeah. And we all go through things that are very unique to our job that, you know, if we were working outside of the home at, an, at somewhere else, you know, we might be able to talk to each other about it. But this is so unique in that we're really creating something from nothing. And so just having someone to talk about it, yeah. you know, it's just so good. I mean, I would probably have quit so many times by oh, now no. if there wasn't somebody else. No. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I think I actually, I remember uh, Lauren Malloy, if you're listening to this, I remember messaging her and being like, I'm finishing up all of my collaborations and then I'm quitting Instagram. Like I'm never getting back on. And she was really encouraging. And obviously I'm still here, but it's so true. If it wasn't, if it's not for those women, I am with you. I would be, bye. And 
the final question, just any like gear that you recommend as far as cameras or editing apps or any time management apps that you just feel like make this space a little bit easier? So I shoot with a, uh, a Canon Rebel T3i and one of the best things about that is my husband normally takes all of my photos, but because he travels so much, um, that one allows me to link it directly to my phone to use as a remote. So I can just set it up on a tripod, link it to my phone, and then I can actually see what I'm shooting on my phone and then use my phone as a remote. So um, I think I got it for under $600 too. And it's amazing quality. It's a really, really great camera. Um, Some things, I mean, I do still post snapshots on my feed too. And then I just take that with my iPhone. Um, The only, like, I I edit everything in Lightroom and I use my own presets. And then the only other app that I use that I feel like I could not live without is the app Snug. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it before, but it's basically like a mimic of your Instagram feed without it being a live Instagram feed, if that makes sense. So it shows you what your Instagram feed currently looks like, and then you can add photos to it. So you can schedule, so you can basically see what your what it will look like if you were to post these specific six photos. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. I use Planoly or Planoly. I don't even know how to say it. And I pay for it, but I think Snug is actually a free resource, isn't it? Free, yes. Uh huh. Snug is free, and I've used Planoly before, before too. And it does have a little bit more um, different things that you can do with it. Snug is extremely basic, but it is seriously. I'm a planner, and it's the it's one of my favorite things ever. Oh yeah, so. that's easily one of my favorite time management yeah. tips too. Just because you can batch things, you can get your your captions going, and just absolutely make everyone and- happy. And I think another one of my tips would be to, um, if you if you have a specific day for content creation and writing your captions, go ahead and make those as drafts. Um, you know, save them as drafts in Instagram because as busy mamas, we never know what's going to happen. And so you know that if you know, I hate to say that we're on a schedule of posting, but the Lord knows we are. And so, you know, if, you know, something comes up at 7 p.m., you still have a photo that's ready to go with a great caption and you can just hit post. So, yes, yes. I love that. Girl, I mean, that was packed. I I just can't wait to share this episode. <laughs> I am so happy to share and I probably could share even more. So we might maybe we could do a part two. Yes, well. let's do it. Let's plan it now. Like I'm. I'm ready, and I'm sure after listeners hear this podcast, they want to hear even more from you because you're just such such a wealth of knowledge and just such a light. Well, Miranda, thank you so much for coming on and giving these women just such encouragement to pitch and be confident in that, and I, I can't wait to continue the conversation further with everybody. 